Welcome to this week's episode of the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm the executive pastor, Eric Roges. In chapter four of the Gospel of Mark, we read about Jesus teaching four of his parables and calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee. This week, as we continue our series, Masterclass, we will be focusing on the parables of the growing seed and the mustard seed, and we'll apply these parables to our own lives to see how we can plant seeds of the gospel all around us. We're so thankful you're listening. Good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It is so good to be together today. And I just want to say a big welcome to all of our campuses. We're all joining together today. So welcome to our Nolensville campus. Hey, you guys, God is at work. I love the new construction. It's so exciting to see what God's doing. And welcome to our Nashville campus. So thankful for all that's happening there, reaching the community and Kelly Minter's Bible study this week. Just so many great things going on. And welcome to Columbia campus, right? Eight months in. And you guys, it's awesome just to see the difference being made in Columbia. And welcome to our online campus. Man, I'm so grateful for you guys and everybody joining in around the state, around the nation, and people around the world. And man, that we are growing together. And welcome to our Franklin campus. So thankful for everybody here. And we've got a new parking lot being built. So praise the Lord and give us another exit. But that's happening. A lot of great things going on here at Rolling Hills, and I love being a part of this with you. Man, God is at work. And also, it's Senior Sunday, and we're so thankful for all of our seniors, and we're just going to celebrate them and praise God, the impact on families, the impact on generations. And also, welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Masterclass. And I love this series because we're taking a deep dive into the Gospel of Mark. We're doing a master class, 16 weeks, right? We're going chapter by chapter. We're seeing God's word come to life for all of us. You know, we're seeing God call us to be disciples, to follow him. You know, there's four gospels, right? You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and Matthew and Luke, they kind of jump in and begin with the birth narrative of Jesus. John says, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. And so it takes the spiritual route, the Old Testament coming to life in Jesus but it's Mark who starts with Jesus' earthly ministry. And so he starts there at the age of 30 when Jesus, right, it begins this earthly ministry. And you got John the Baptist in Mark chapter 1 announcing and proclaiming that you got Jesus being baptized. And you got the, you know, temptations that happen. Then Jesus calling his first disciples. And then Jesus begins to teach. And we saw that Jesus teaches with authority, unlike anybody else, right? And people are drawn and the miracles start to happen. And we saw last week in Mark chapter 3, now crowds are coming from all over to hear Jesus. And they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're around and these crowds are swelling. But Jesus looks into the crowd and he calls disciples. He looks into the crowd and he sees the individual. And maybe today you feel like, man, I'm just kind of in a part of the crowd, you know? No, God sees you and God cares about you. God knows your heart, he knows your story and he's inviting you to follow Jesus. He's inviting you into a deep relationship with him. He's inviting you to be the man or woman he created you to be. 
and to experience the life that God has for you. And that's the journey we're on together. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. So New Testament, you can go there with me. And if you don't have a Bible with you at all of our campuses, we got some Bibles in the back. If you want to kind of get up and go back there and grab a Bible. Also, if you've got a mobile device, you can access the scripture online. If you're watching online campus, hey, you can go to your Bible or you can go to the Rolling Hills app and we'll have the scripture for you there. So Mark chapter 4, incredible chapter. So glad you're here today. So let's unpack it together. It says this, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, okay? That's the Sea of Galilee. It's also known as the Lake of Tiberias, right? And this lake 14 miles long, about seven miles wide. And Jesus is teaching there. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So you can imagine Jesus is teaching and more and more people keep coming and he's Backing up, he's backing up, right? Here's the Sea of Galilee. So he's like, hey, disciples, can you grab a boat? He gets in the boat, he sits down. That's the way the rabbis taught back then. Sat down on the boat, he's teaching, and all the people are on the water's edge. And so this place is packed. It says, he taught them many things by parables. By parables. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Parable literally means to come alongside. And so what Jesus does, he takes, you know, an example of everyday life and he comes alongside it with spiritual principles. About one third of Jesus' teaching is in parables, in these stories. Now, if you're a teacher, you know there's that aha moment for a student, right? There's that aha moment when they get it. And then once they get it, they own it. And so Jesus, who's the master teacher, teaching in these parables and is teaching and he said this, Listen, exclamation point, right? A farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, this is something they would have all gotten, right? They're an agricultural society. You know, farmers went out to sow the seed. They didn't have machines back then, right? They would have a pouch. They would dip in and they would throw the seed. So this farmer's going out to throw the seed. Now, for them, this was a big deal. Kind of our culture, right? You know, we, we think about farmers and, and maybe you've got a farm or something like that. And we think, well, if, if, if we get crops, great. If we don't, that's okay, right? We'll go to the store and buy food. You know, back then, this was their livelihood. I mean, this is like, the crops don't come, we don't eat. So this was important for them. And so they're like, yeah, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering his seeds, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. So you got the hard path, and he's throwing out the seeds, throwing out the seed, and it hits on the path, and the birds come and they eat it. Up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. So we go to a biblical study tour to go to Israel every couple of years. And, and at some point, man, I'd love for you to go. It's, it's incredible. But I just want to show you a couple of pictures of the kind of terrain around the Sea of Galilee. And so you can see, I mean, there's places that are lush, but there's also a lot of rocks, okay? You go to Israel, you're like, man, there's a lot of rocks in this place, you know? And so sometimes the topsoil is just like, you know, an inch deep. And so some of the seed would fall, but it has no root. It would spring up quickly, but then the sun would come and it would scorch it away. And you can kind of see how that would happen back then. The people are like, yeah, that makes sense. We, we see that. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So Jesus tells this parable. 
And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, when he was alone, the 12, that's the 12 disciples that he has just called, right? Mark chapter 3, called their disciples by name. The 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. <laughs> you can imagine that 12 are out there, they're listening, they're going, yeah, that's great, Jesus. Mm, so deep, that's awesome. And then later on, they're like, we don't get it, right? <laughs> we don't get it. Can you explain it? Can you tell us about it? So he told them. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that, and now he quotes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. They may be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. He's like, the truth is out there, but people can harden their hearts. And they don't receive, but man, it's for forgiveness. It's for grace that they would turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable? He's like, this is a key parable. This is important for you to know. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, the word that was sown in them. Other seed is like that and falls on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root. Now, I don't know if you underline your Bible, man, man kind of underline right there, right? Since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word. And then these three things, man, if you underline, look at these three things. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. That's sad. Right? Other things, right? Distractions, they come in and make it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And the people are like, yeah, that's the kind of crop we want, right? I mean, this is our livelihood. This feeds our family. This takes care of our village. We want a great harvest. Yay for the good seed that falls on good soil. They would get it. Well, he keeps going, right? This is his teaching. Now, back then, you know, it would have been written and there weren't verses or chapters. And so sometimes we kind of stop and we go, oh, well, that was the end. But no, this is a continuation of what Jesus was teaching. And he said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it in a bowl or under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? Back then they have these olive oil lamps. I've got one in my office from Israel, but but it would have oil there, it would have a wick, and they would take it and they would build a shelf in at their house at the very top. So it gives out light. He's like, you don't take the lamp and put it under a bowl. You don't put it under a bed, right? I mean, where nobody sees it, nobody does that, right? You put it out where it gives out light. You see the connection? Let your light shine. Make sure people see it. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to to be brought into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is like, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He's like, you got a responsibility. If you know the truth, you hear the truth, you have a responsibility to live out that truth. 
And then he has a couple more parables right here that, that fit with the seed. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scattered seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, right, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. He's like, the farmer goes out, he puts the seed down. He doesn't know what's happening underground. I didn't have little video cameras back then that watched all the things that were happening. He's like, he just puts it down. He's hoping. He's praying. I need a good harvest. But it's at work. Something's happening there. The seed is growing. There's things that are happening. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parables should we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. And back then, right in this area, the mustard seed is like itty bitty. You go to Israel, you can kind of see those mustard seeds. They're like so small. And yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. You plant that mustard seed, it can grow to be 15 feet high. I mean, massive plant from that little bitty seed, that little bitty seed. And with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them. As much as they could understand, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? You know, when you love to be with those disciples, they're like, hey, Jesus, talk about this. And he's just like unpacking the scriptures. And you're like, oh, that's so good. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And God's spirit is when you're reading God's word, you're able to hear and learn, have these insights right into God's word because of the Holy Spirit. All right, then look at that. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, so he's been teaching all day right there. And, and man, you got to think he's probably worn out. He's been teaching all day. The huge crowds are there. And he says to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. They were also other boats with him. Look at verse 37. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, the Sea of Galilee, you know, we got a couple of pictures of being on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, it's beautiful, but it's also, there's these mountains around. So you got this boat, it's like a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, but then you can look out the front of the boat and you can see these mountains like Mount Arbel and others. And, and the wind just comes across those mountains and like a furious squall can come up so quick. I mean, all of a sudden you're out there and it's a beautiful day and now all of a sudden there's this huge storm. And these guys are fishermen and this furious squall comes up. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Isn't that amazing? I mean, they're all panicked, right? They're running around, this furious squall. And Jesus is just sleeping on a cushion. He's not worried. He's not afraid, right? He's sleeping on the cushion. And the disciples woke him and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Ever been there? Jesus, don't you see what's going on in my life? Don't you care? Don't you know the struggle I'm facing? Jesus is like, I got it. Hold on. I'm with you. Don't forget about me. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Wow. Can you imagine? And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? 
Do you still have no faith? You ever heard that? (laughs) Why are you so afraid? Hold on. God's got you. Where's your faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Can you imagine those disciples just watching Jesus and the power, the sovereignty of God right there with them? Saying, I'm with you always. I'm always with you. See, as a believer, as a disciple, you've got to understand this. The God of the universe is with you. Whatever challenge you're facing, whatever struggle you're going through, you're not alone. There is a God who is with you. There is a God who is for you. There is a God who loves you with an everlasting love. Hold on to him. Trust him. Because this God will never leave you. And he has the power over everything in all of creation. That is our Jesus. And that's the one who is inviting you to follow. Hey, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. Because, I mean, I think this is so amazing. So if you... Have a worship guide at all of our campuses. You can go ahead and pull that out. If you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app. But I want you to see some of these things today. Hey, look at this. Number one, Jesus sows seeds. He sows seeds. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, okay? A farmer to sow his seed. Jesus is the sower. So Jesus is telling this parable. He's like, this is what I do, right? This is why I've come. Luke 19, 10, Jesus said, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The whole agenda of Jesus, if we're going to join Jesus in his agenda, right? The whole agenda is to seek and to save that which was lost. It's not just to take care of the healthy, right? It's the sick who need a doctor. Jesus said, you you have a calling. There's people around who don't know me. I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. Jesus is a sower. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. God's word never returns void. God's word is alive and active. God's word is moving and shaping hearts and lives. And look at this. The soil is the human heart. So you got the sower, you got the seed, you got the soil. And Jesus is saying this parable is foundational to understand the gospel, to understand the work that I'm doing. I've come and I'm I'm letting people know about the word of God. I'm letting people know about salvation and hope, right? And I'm planting seeds in human hearts. Later on, Peter, right, who was there that day, one of the disciples, he'll write this. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, right? He's taking the farmer illustration, the the perishable seed, but of imperishable. Jesus, the sower, imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. That's powerful. You see, they were taken, right? The sowers, the farmers were sowing seed and they were dependent on it for their livelihood. They were dependent on it for their very life, right? The food to eat. But he's saying, no, spiritual seed. It's not just physical, it's spiritual. And sometimes we think, well, sure, the gospel, I don't know, I'm not great at that. My faith's more private. I don't know about talking to people about Jesus. And, and hold on. He's like, this is the living and enduring word of God. This is your call. This is why Jesus came. And aren't you thankful? Because when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, God made us alive in Christ. The seed that was planted in our hearts by the grace of God, that we would come alive, spiritually alive. That's what this is talking about. Okay, look, Jesus desires spiritual growth. He desires growth. 
The farmer sows the word. Some people are like, and then he gives us these four examples. There are four types of responses to the seed. All right, there's four types. One, the path. Hard-hearted to the word of God. So Jesus says, some falls on the path. Satan comes and takes it away. Maybe you know some people like this. <laughs> maybe there's some people in your family, or maybe there are six friends, and you share the gospel, you tell them, you invite them to church, and it just seems like it falls on deaf ears, right? And, and, and you just feel like, man, you're like, come on, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to have hope. I'm watching your life. I'm seeing the decisions you make. And they're just like, nope, nope. I've known some people in my life like that, you know? And, and, and man, you've invited them to church, and, and they're just like, nope. But what's amazing is later on, I've seen some of these people give their lives to Christ. I've seen some of these people when all of a sudden there's a crisis in their life, when things get hard or difficult, then they're like, whoa, wait a minute, whoa, tell me about that Jesus, right? But there's times when you're so seed and you feel like, man, I'm inviting them or I'm encouraging them or I'm trying to talk to them, and it just feels like it's on the path. They're hard-hearted to the Word of God. The second soil is the rocks. No roots, right? So it does not last. Remember he said some of the seed, it falls on that soil and it springs up quickly, but, it, but there's rock and it doesn't go deep. It doesn't go deep. Maybe in your life, man, you've seen people like this. Man, they used to be in church. They were so fired up for God. And you're like, where did they go? <laughs> what happened? You know, where, where are they? And that can happen even today. There's people getting excited about the things of God. And then all of a sudden, right, it just gets hard. Or they, it says persecution comes, verse 17, or, or, you know, challenges come in their life and they just kind of fall away. But then there's some soil that falls among the thorns and it's choked out by the things of the world, by the things of this world. It falls and it starts to grow, but then all of a sudden, remember in verse 19, it says this, he says these three things, right? He says still others, you know, falls among the, the thorns and they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come along and choke it out. The worries of this life. Sometimes when things get hard, we go, well, God, I'm going to do it my way. I don't need you. You know, I, I got to take it over. I got to do this. Or, or the deceitfulness of wealth. That's pretty interesting. You know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I got money and, and now I'm living. You know, before I was dependent on God and I, if I need to pray because I didn't have a whole lot. But now I've got money and so now I'm traveling. I'm doing all this stuff and I don't have time really for the things of God. I don't have time for church. I don't have all this time for the things that are of the Lord because I've got money now. It's like the deceitfulness of wealth or other things. And we, people get caught up in other things, right? We get caught up in sports. We get caught up in travel or shopping or whatever it is. And not that those things are bad in of themselves, but, but is God our priority? Are we growing deep roots? Are we staying strong in the Lord? And then you got this, the fruitful, the good soil that reproduces, right? He yields a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. And as a believer, as a disciple of Christ, we're called to reproduce. We're called to share. We're called for that seed to fall on good soil. What kind of soil is your heart? You kind of think about it. You go, man, well, where am I in my walk with the Lord? You know, man, don't become hard-hearted to God. But also grow deep roots. Get in the word. Also, man, don't let the things of this world distract you or choke you out. Be fruitful, be obedient, grow, because it's so powerful and you're impacting generations, you're impacting others for the glory of God. You're seeing lives changed. That's exciting.
What kind of soil is your heart? See, as disciples of Jesus, we're called to sow seeds. That's what we're called to do, right? Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times it was sown. I can think of no greater investment, you guys. Look at this. I mean, you know, 300%, 600%, right? 1,000%. That's the call for us, to make a difference, to love people, to pour into others. Hey, farmers don't plant a few seeds and then quit. I've known some people, and they go, well, you know, I, I, I tried talking to somebody so about Jesus, but they weren't real open to it. So I, you know, I've just kind of backed off. I just kind of stopped, right? I invited somebody to church and they, they, they couldn't come. So I just kind of went, yeah, okay, I'm done. Like what? A farmer doesn't go out and sow one year and then go, okay, well, that's enough. I'm done. I mean, they're back at it the next year, right? They're back at it the next year. They're, they're taking care. They're tending it. They're involved in it. And for us as disciples, it's our call. It's our purpose. It's our joy. Don't quit. Don't stop. Be renewed. Be encouraged. Hey, look at this. Not every seed will yield a harvest. I think sometimes we go, well, I, 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 I tried it and it didn't work. And you're like, well, hold on. You don't know if it didn't work. You know? <laughs> There's something happening underneath there. There's something going on in their hearts and lives. You're just called to plant. But, but probably not every seed is going to happen. There's 25% that fell onto the path. But sometimes it could stay there. Sometimes it could get blown into <laughs> Good soil. Sometimes that seed that you're planting may end up in yielding a harvest. See, the more seeds you plant, the more harvest you see. Right? I mean, it's just basic math, right? I mean, like you, you plant a few seeds, you know, but you plant more, you share more, you invite more, you encourage more, you pray more. Look what's going to happen. Wayne Gretzky said, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I mean, he's talking about hockey, but you know, it's the same true, right? It, and I've talked to a lot of people, they're like, man, you know, my mom or my grandparent or my friend, and gosh, I just wish I'd talked to them about Jesus. I wish I would shared Christ, and I, and I missed that opportunity. And I don't know if they're in heaven or not. I don't know where they are, but, but I just wish I had that opportunity back. I just wish, hey, be bold. There's nothing greater that you can talk about. I'm just telling you, there's not. And you, for me, for us, to share the love of Christ with others. To say, hey, I want to tell you about the one who changed my heart and changed my life. Guys, look at this. It's the Lord who brings the harvest. See, a lot of times we get caught up. We're like, man, I don't know if I talk to my kids about Christ. I don't know if I talk to my friends, if, if I'm going to upset them or what. You're not. And let me free you. It's not you that brings the harvest. It's the Lord. <laughs> it's God. So it's so freeing. All you do is get to talk. All you do is get to share. All you do is go, hey, let me write you a note. Let me send you a text. Let me send you an email. Let me give you a Bible. Let me encourage you. I know you're going through a tough time. I know you're going through a difficult time. Let me be there for you. And let me point you to Jesus. Because he's the one who can change your heart and change your life. Here's what Paul writes later on in 1 Corinthians. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Isn't that amazing? He's like, hey, it's not me, man, let's look. It's what God's doing. Now I'm a part of a team. You know, I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who brings the harvest. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to his own labor. Hey, let me ask you this. Are you planting any seeds? Is there anybody you're praying for? Is there anybody you're encouraging? 
Is there anybody you're discipling? You know, don't get so caught up in the things of the world that you miss the things of God. Let me tell you about this guy named Edward Kimball. I don't know if you know Edward Kimball, but Edward Kimball was teaching at his church with middle school and high school boys in 1858. In 1858, he taught middle school and high school boys, and I'm sure, you know, man, middle school and high school boys, it can be a challenge sometimes, right? And at all of our campuses, we have volunteers who are teaching core team members of in student ministry and children's ministry, and thank you, because you're making a difference. Well, Edward Kimball had a bunch of boys in his class, and, and there was one boy who just didn't seem to get it, you know. And, and he was trying to process that, but he wasn't sure. And so Edward said, you know what, I'm going to go, and I'm going to meet with this guy. And so he takes off in the middle of the day, and he goes to where the, the young man's working. He was working as a shoe salesman, a teenage boy. And he goes over to where he's working, and he says, hey, let me just tell you, I just want to pray with you, and, and let me just see if you have any questions about the gospel. Well, the kid did, and started asking him, and Edward explained it to him, and he said, I want to accept Jesus. And so right there at his workplace, he gives his life to Christ. Well, that young man was a guy named D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody goes on to become a famous evangelist. He's going around doing crusades, and, and one day at a crusade, a guy shows up named Wilbur Chapman. And Wilbur Chapman gives his life to Christ at a D.L. Moody crusade. A D. Wilbur Chapman becomes a pastor of a large church. In his church one Sunday, there was a guy who shows up named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was a baseball player. He was a professional baseball player. He comes, he gives his life to Christ and quit baseball to be a pastor. He starts preaching and speaking. And when he's preaching and speaking, one day a guy shows up named Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham gives his life to Christ. And he begins to preach and he begins to speak. And one day he's doing a revival and a guy showed up named Billy Graham. And Billy Graham gives his life to Christ at 18 years old and impacts close to 2 billion people, right, who heard the gospel. And you think it goes back to this one guy, Edward Kimball, a guy who said, I'm going to serve at church. I'm going to pour into middle school and high school boys because that's such a, a time in their lives when they're discovering the gospel. They're going to live out the truth. And I'm going to give them my time and I'm going to watch God do what only God can do. I'm going to plant some seeds in their hearts and see what will happen for the glory of God. He had no idea. He was just being faithful. And that's our call. The church, I got to tell you, I'm so thankful for so many of you because you're planting seeds. We saw at Easter, our largest attendance at all of our campuses, you were inviting people. And God's planting seeds in their hearts. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening under the surface, but God's at work. God's at work. About 10 days ago, we had a big event, a men's event called Versus. All of our campuses came together, right? And men, over 1,600 men showed up. And the worship was powerful. And then Tim Tebow shared the gospel. And we had 40 plus men who came down in front of 1,600 men and committed their lives to Christ. And I was standing there watching God move and God work. And George Mondero, one of our worship pastors, he, he just looked at me. He goes, Pastor Jeff, I believe one of those guys is going to do some incredible things for the glory of God. He goes, I just say, God, I just got this feeling. I just got the Holy Spirit right now that's telling me God's going to do something big right there. And I was like, yes. And that's what we're a part of, church. It would be so easy to turn in ourselves and say it's just about us. It's not. It's about us being the hands and feet of Christ. It's about us loving people. I want to say to you too, church, thank you. Because it's not just events that happen. It's every week. Every week. And you're pouring in to the next generation. And you're planting seeds of the gospel in preschool and children and students. And God is at work. God is at work. You know, I think about Nathaniel Bazzuto. <laughs> 
And I think about this one student, right? He's been at church for a long time and just watching God work. Or I think about my daughter, Grace, senior in high school. Or I think about Emmy or Mary Holland or Pierce or Hallie. I think about Callum. I think about all these kids who've grown up and now they start inviting their friends, right? And you're seeing more and more students come and more and more students come and, and the student ministry is just growing. And then you think about them teaching, you know, we have worship one, serve one, worship one hour, serve one hour. You know, you worship at 8 or 9.30, you serve at 11 or, or pick a time, but, but you worship one hour and serve one hour, and then they start pouring into the next generation, into children, and they're pouring into second graders and third and fourth and fifth, and then you're watching them go on mission trips, and they're going out and they're taking the gospel in high school to different ministries and places, whether Moldova or whether Amazon or whether places right here in the United States, and now they're going off to college, and they're taking the gospel with them. And they're impacting 30, 60, 100-fold what was sown. God is at work. And God's at work through you. And this is our time. Guys, we don't get another opportunity. This is our time to impact the next generation for Christ. Look at this. Grow in your faith in Jesus. Grow in your faith in Jesus. Hey, guys, a furious squall came up. A furious squall. There's going to be challenges. But look. Look at this. There will be storms in your life. Seniors, you're going to go off, you know, to college. And there's going to be great days. You're going to have a great time. But there's going to be some challenges. You know, for all of us, right, in our lives, there's great times we go through, but there's challenges. There's challenges that we face. There's challenges that we go through. Sometimes you're out and things are good, and then all of a sudden it's just like, wow, what happened? There's a squall. There's a storm. But here's the deal. Remember Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Don't forget about him. Don't forget about him. Don't think you've got to do it on your own. Jesus is with you. He's in the boat with you. Even when you're afraid, Jesus is not. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. But listen, whatever challenge you face, God's with you. God's for you. You be obedient. You share the love of Christ. You pray. You encourage. You stay strong. You grow deep roots. And Jesus is always with you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. See, Jesus is greater, greater than any storm you face. We trust him. We say, God, I want to live my life for you. For whatever days I have on this earth, God, I want to live my life for you and for your name and for your glory. God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. Recently, I was uh, on a flight, and I was, I was flying, and uh, I had my Bible out and my notes, and I was studying, you know, preparing for sermon and getting things ready. And the guy sitting next to me, uh, he kind of taps me on the shoulder. He goes, so uh, are you a preacher? And I said, yeah, what gave it away? Was it the Bible and the notes, you know? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I was kind of looking down. He said, I, I kind of noticed that. And, and I said, so are you a Christian? And he said, he said yeah, I am. And I said, well, where are you from? Because I could tell he obviously wasn't from around here. He looked like he was probably in his late 30s. He said, well, I grew up in India. And he said, but then I got my master's in London, and I've been living in the United States for about the last 15 years. And I said, well, how did you become a Christian, you know, in India? And he goes, it's an amazing story. He said, I have an older sister and a younger sister. He said, my older sister, when we were growing up, she used to have these seizures, and he said, you know, all of a sudden she would just fall in and have these seizures. And my mom, my dad didn't know what to do. And it was really scary because they didn't know if she was going to make it. And, and so I just remember growing up and, 
and we were always going to different doctors, and the people in our town were helping us. They were giving us money. We didn't have a whole lot. We were going to different places, and, and we could ever find the, the cure for her. And I remember when she was about eight, and I was six, and my sister was four, we, my mom took us to the train station to go to school. And she's putting us on the train, and, and my sister had one of these convulsions, and she fell down. She had a seizure, and my mom was there with her. We were all there, and, and we didn't know what else to do. And a lady just came and walked up to my mom and said, have you prayed to Jesus? That's all she said. Have you prayed to Jesus? And my mom just kind of looked at her and she scooped up my sister and we got in the car and we drove home. And she goes, but something stirred in my mom. There was a seed that was planted in my mom. And and she started asking all of our neighbors if anybody was a Christian, if anybody knew. And, And nobody was right in India, except there was one person that had a Bible. And my mom got that Bible and started to read and started to read and started to read. And one day we were in the kitchen. My mom was making food for the Indian festival that was coming up. And, and she's making all this food. And my sister falls down and has this convulsion. We were all in the kitchen. And she said, my mom turned and looked at her. And she said, in the name of Jesus. And she took all the food that we've been making and she put it into a trash bag. And she handed it to my dad and said, go throw this away. And he went outside And he said, at the exact moment that he threw it away, my sister was healed. So I can't explain, I don't know what happened, but when my sister got up and she was healed and she's never had a seizure since. (laughs) He said, so my mom gave her life to Christ. My dad gave his life to Christ. Our whole family gave our lives to Christ. He said, my sister today, she's married. She has two children. Most of the people in our town have given their lives to Christ. They're Christians. He said, my mom's faith is so strong. He said, listen, he's like, Jeff, you wouldn't believe it, but I listened to my mom talk about the Bible today, and my hair is just stand up. Her faith is so strong. She is a rock. And he said, Jesus changed my life. And he said, I've been involved in a church in Detroit. And, you know, I love it, involved in ministry there. He said, I just want people to know that my Jesus does miracles. And I said, I want my people to know that too. Because we've got a God who saves. And we've got a God who redeems. We've got a God who restores. That is our Jesus. Do you know that Jesus? Are you living for that Jesus? Don't get distracted by the things of this world. Live your life for him. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Wherever you are, whatever campus you're at, wherever you are online, right now, what about your heart? What kind of soil is it? Is the seed growing? Are you getting deep roots? Are you yielding harvest? Maybe your own kids, your grandkids. Maybe your nieces, your nephews, maybe the people in your workplace, your school. What about today? Is there somebody God's put on your heart? Maybe today there's a fear, there's a worry. Would you just give it to God right now? God, here you go. So Father God, here we are, all joined together by your word, all joined together by the grace of God, Jesus. Father, speak to our hearts. I pray that the seed would be on fertile soil in every one of us. God, that we would yield a harvest, that we would invest in the things that would matter, that God, you would be glorified in our lives, and that we would see you do miracles. Thank you for Jesus and the hope that we have. Thank you for your presence right here, right now. 
We dedicate our lives to you as your disciples. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're so glad you listened in on our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. We would love for you to share our content with the people in your life. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a sermon. Be sure to explore other great podcasts like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're so thankful for you listeners. See you next time.